Hello and welcome to Informed, a podcast series where you will hear industry experts share their thought-provoking insights and lessons in the field of medical communications. This series is brought to you by ISMAP and is generously sponsored by MedThink SciComm. My name is Rob Mathias and I'm president and CEO of ISMAP. Measuring publication metrics has been a long-standing topic. Nevertheless, impact metrics are the new rage. How do we truly measure the reach of a publication? On today's podcast, we're going to chat about traditional metrics and new ways to measure real-world impact in publications. To help describe impact metrics, with us today we have Alice Choi. She's COO of McCann Health Medical Communications, past chair of the Board of Trustees for ISMAP, and has contributed to several committees over the years. She was listed as top 25 women leaders in UK healthcare in 2019 by Pharmaceutical Market Europe, among many other accomplishments. Welcome, Alice. Thank you, Rob. Great to see you, albeit virtually. Yes, it's been a while. I know the uh, the topic of metrics is one that we can probably take in, in a number of different directions. And so I'm hoping today for our listeners that we can have a good dialogue, a good chat about some areas of metrics and how they apply to maybe getting them better and finding ways that our listeners can better apply metrics to the work that they're doing as publication professionals. So maybe to start, we'll just think about, well, why are metrics so important this day and age and you know, in this particular environment? How do you think that they are impacting our, our members and our publication professionals? For just a huge number of reasons, really, Rob, I think the environment that we're in currently has changed massively, Um, certainly over the last five to ten years, it really has, and we have many different stakeholders involved now. And I think that people, industry, individuals, they really want to know that what they're doing is making a difference and that publications are actually achieving what they want them to. And if you combine that with the limited budgets that many of our clients are facing, I think it all leads to the increasing importance of metrics. You know, you use the word making a difference, right? What does that mean to you when you say making a difference with metrics? For me, making a difference ultimately means making some kind of positive change or impact upon clinical practice. And I think that's where people struggle with metrics, because how does one even begin to measure that? It's funny you say that, because I think you know most of us started our careers at a time when impact factor and circulation were the metrics of choice. And, and now here you are you know, talking more about metrics as it relates to actually creating change you know, maybe even impacting patient care in some ways. And, you know, I wonder if you have any thoughts on things that people could potentially measure to try to achieve that difference. Yeah, it's a really interesting question. And I think it is the um, million dollar question that we're often asked by our colleagues and and clients alike. So you obviously um, alluded to, to things like the impact factor. So I think we can safely say that that is quite an outdated measurement. There are many criticisms of the impact factor, but the fact is, is that it's still considered important in terms of scholarly publishing. And I think the other reality that many of us face is that it's still a really important factor to many of the external authors that we work with. So I think that the reality is that impact factor, whether we like it or not, will will continue to be important. How much it actually influences or has an impact in that making a positive difference that we discussed earlier, I think is really debatable. Um, my personal view is that that we should try and take a more holistic view 
of what we're trying to achieve. Um, we should look at what educational gaps are we trying to fill, what are the unmet needs, and what are we trying to do with each specific publication. Yeah, there's some really good points there, and I like that word holistic because I think it represents, uh, Alice, a number of ways that we can continue to think about maybe putting many metrics together, working together so that we can actually get a, a full picture as to the impact of a particular publication. Do you have any ideas as to how future publication professionals or, or current publication professionals can work with a number of different metrics to try to create that picture of holistic uh, impact? So I think there are a plethora of options out there. I think that the jury's probably out on the different forms of alt metrics. I think that several years ago, there's a big surge of initial interest in what alt metrics could bring. I think the reality is that for many of our clients, the uptake hasn't been high. I think there are difficulties in interpreting the data and understanding what's good, what's not good, and what's a reasonable benchmark. That said, I think it's fair to say some of my colleagues are of the opinion that if you devote enough time to helping clients better understand what all metrics can give them in terms of trying to qualify things like attention or engagement, that some clients are starting to see the value. I actually canvassed some opinion on metrics and the opinion that's resonated most with me actually came from Martin Delahunty, who many of you will know um, through ISMAP. And Martin basically captured altmetrics as being, you know, there are many highly subjective tools, but the issue is that there are no normalised data between different softwares and and data sets and, and hence they'll remain of limited use. But that said, Rob, I think there are other metrics that one could look at, for example. And I think the metrics that matter are going to really vary from therapy area to therapy area and from company to company. So I think there are, for example, um, softer metrics, you know, for example, what are different publication teams doing to ensure that their outputs are actually reflecting unmet need from both the HCP and patient perspectives. Other things may matter to different companies. For example, what proportion of relevant publications have some sort of PLS attached with it? Um, There are other things that might matter. For example, are publication outputs being linked to things like robust scientific platforms, how are you measuring that? And then other softer things again, for example, author satisfaction, um, colleague feedback on utility or usability, MSL feedback. So there could be a whole range of different metrics that might matter in different ways to different teams. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting way to look at metrics. And particularly when we think about not just measuring things, but trying to see how they they loop back to what we've said we're going to do and then how we look forward to how we think um, we're actually impacting things that happen outside of our four walls. The conversation we're having today is certainly very different than maybe we would have had just a few years back when we were thinking more just about getting things published. I do think, you know, when we get into this conversation that we start to talk about differences between, you know, efficiency metrics and things like effectiveness or, you know, how things are having an impact. And sometimes publication teams may start to mix those things up, how quickly we get things into journals versus how much impact they have. Do you have any thoughts on on that? 
Yeah, for me, I personally think that efficiency and effectiveness are two different metrics. So for me, I would say efficiency is very much to do with cost and speed, whereas effectiveness for me is more about reach and impact. So did this particular publication reach the most appropriate stakeholder at the right time? So I think there is quite a big difference between those two measurements. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. Um, Before you mentioned PLS, plain language summaries, you know, how do you think that relates to metrics, would you say? This is um, quite an interesting area, isn't it? Because we know that um, PLS haven't been adopted universally yet, although I think that there is general acknowledgement that it's really worthwhile exploring PLS. So, In terms of metrics, I think ultimately it depends on what's important. Do you want to move from knowing that we've done the right thing and actually published um, PLS, accompanying PLS, or do we actually want to know whether that right thing actually made a difference? And if it's the latter, not the former, then I think we're going to have to think collectively as an industry about the kind of end viewer measurements that we would like to incorporate. What did the lay or patient end viewer actually find? How useful was it? And ideally, and I don't have the answers, Rob, but ideally, if we're going to do this, we should try and do it in some standardised way. Yeah, I think that's probably a very good point is, you know, having some standardization in some way that we can help to bring some consistency across a different type of metrics is super important. Do you think that's something we'll be able to achieve? I think, first of all, we'll probably have to get to a collective view on the value and importance of PLS first. I don't think that we are quite there yet for a variety of reasons. So I think that is probably the first step as an industry. And I know that's something that ISMAP is looking into as we speak. So I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to transition us a bit, go back to something you'd mentioned before we started talking a bit about altmetrics and, and how they can play a role and starting to think a little bit more about social media. Do you have any insights as to how social media itself or whether your clients are currently using social media metrics to uh, bolster their plans or to justify budgets, things of that nature? In all honesty, Rob, I still think that there is limited utility versus the original surge of interest that we first saw. I would say that maybe some teams may be using altmetrics to help refine their publication plans, but I would say that social media is still very much more the domain of corporate communication teams versus publication teams at this moment in time. Yeah, it's a good point. Do you think that the journals perhaps feel that the same way or do you think that they see it differently in terms of their own social media outlets? I think that increasingly we are seeing the journals themselves increase their own social media presence. And certainly journals like the New England Journal, for example, they have quite an active social media presence and also things like Facebook, for example. So I think there is a difference, though, isn't there, between using social media to highlight profile or raise awareness or 
just highlight issues versus actually using it for genuine scientific exchange. A lot of times people will actually kind of refer to these different types of metrics as having kind of a generational difference. And we see or we assume typically that often some of the younger physicians or healthcare decision makers are going to use some of these social media metrics or, or look at social media more frequently than will the um let's say, older healthcare decision makers. Do you find that that's the case or do you think that it's kind of becoming more widespread now? So I think the the use of social media and actually just the concept of different levels and variables that actually input into a physician's decision-making, I think historically that there was a point where I think scholarly publishing alone had a much more important role to play. I think latterly, um, if you now look at the channels of information that HCPs get, it's much broader, much more variable. And I think that peer-reviewed publications will continue to be important, absolutely, because, you know, our whole academic system is based on the concepts of peer-reviewed publication. So I think as a foundational quality stamp publications will continue to be important but I think we're moving now to a more experiential way of living where I think for a lot of HCPs and particularly those you know of younger generations the bite-sized chunks of digestible content are going to become more important. Yeah I tend to agree with you and I think a lot of our our members and listeners probably are finding the same thing and are realizing that they have to change the way in which they communicate, maybe chunking it up uh, to use some of your words there and making it a little bit more digestible. So it's it's an interesting idea. You know, the, the one thing I can recall is when I was on my industry side roles, it was often a challenge to try to think about some of these new metrics or what we call you know maybe more impact metrics, as we had mentioned before. And very often when I was trying to justify budgets and things of that nature, uh, would still be asked for things around efficiency, points of view, and so on. I'm just wondering if you have advice for your industry side clients as to how they may think more about trying to bring some of these softer metrics to the table. I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier, Rob, about taking a more holistic approach. And I really do think that what a publication plan needs to achieve, say, in oncology or a, or a very fast-moving field, for example, I.O., is very different, for example, to what you may need to achieve in, in say, a rare disease setting. So I think I'm a big advocate of that holistic approach at the start of a publication plan or indeed any individual publication. Think really hard about the information you are trying to convey, making sure that it actually meets an unmet need and thinking about the channels and way that the relevant stakeholders absorb information. I always remember this um, classic example from many years ago where we did a very high profile publication for a client and everyone, the, the lead investigator, delighted because we got into a really high impact journal. But then when it came down to it, a lot of the people on the ground, a lot of the clients on the ground were actually disappointed because their feeling was, hey, this is a great high-impact journal, but it's not actually reaching the people that it needs to. So that example has always stuck with me, and, and it's really why I think that careful planning about what you're actually looking to achieve is so important. 
Yeah, and I think that's a really good example, Alice, because I think it gets right to the heart of what you've really been saying, which is it's about making sure that we have the metrics and we have the attention of trying to get the publication to where it needs to go. And sometimes it's not always about impact factor and the level of the journal per se, but it's about thinking a little bit more constructively about what exactly we want that publication to achieve and then adding on additional components from an extension point of view in order to make them get out there. So, Alice, we're recording this particular podcast during the COVID-19 time, and I know that is a a bit of a unique scenario. Our listeners out there might want to know if you have any thoughts about some of the metrics we should be considering in this digital world that we've been launched into. Gosh, so COVID-19, where do we even begin to start with this one, Rob? So, I think in reality, the longer the current pandemic continues, I think the more impact is going to have and the more longer lasting changes we are going to see. I think we will see some changes in publications, but I think we'll probably see other more profound changes in other areas of medicine, things like telemedicine, general education, meetings and and conferences. I think possibilities that might affect us all are we've seen an opening up of sharing of data recently um, in relation to COVID. So will we see that continue? Will that be a trend that continues beyond COVID where we see more open sharing of data and publications? Will we see open access, more exchange play an increasing role, perhaps increasing preprints? And we've already seen some evidence of that. When we look at conferences and the impact on on publications, might we see a trend where rather than having the one large annual large scale conference, you know, if we can move to more of a digital setting, might we see more of a steady drip feed of publications and data rather than that one big bolus conference? That could be a possibility. I think that maybe we will see increase in the importance of peer review and the recognition and greater appreciation of the value of expert authors. I think it's fair to say that we've seen probably a proliferation of fake news and data that aren't accurate in in the rise of COVID. That could be another phenomenon that we see. I think we will more than likely see some delays to clinical trials and, and some of the data might need extra cleansing, as it were, given COVID. So down the line, you know, sort of a year, 18 months, are we going to see an increased um, pressure on publication timelines? You know, are we going to see increased metrics in terms of timeliness? So a whole raft of possibilities, really, Rob. It's interesting you say that because it really could be a very different world, even post-pandemic, if we're able to get to that point in, in the near future, where we think about different things that we'll be interested in. For example, you mentioned, you know, the quality of data sets in some ways, you know, perhaps a metric around whether or not we're effectively reporting how data was managed in the day and age where data just is not coming in at the rate it was before or with the quality that it could simply because we can't run trials the way that we did before. So it certainly is an interesting world that's potentially coming our way. So I, I think as we start to think through the, this topic of metrics, is there one piece of advice, Alice, that you'd want to give to our listeners when it comes to metrics? And, and if so, what would that be? So at the risk of sounding very repetitive and, and boring, my one piece of advice would be each organization, each publication team, each therapy area, they're going to have or they should have 
different goals and, and aspirations. And, you know, as we've said before, take a holistic view and really look carefully at your key stakeholders and look at how they access information, what matters to them. And, and obviously make sure that you create a really strong evidence-based foundation for not just your external, but your internal stakeholders as well. But I would say also layer on those additional insights from your stakeholders and build that into your approach. Thanks so much, Alice, for a great conversation. It was a, a really informative discussion, and I know our listeners will certainly appreciate your viewpoints. You had mentioned earlier in our conversation that a number of your colleagues that work with you at McCann Health Scientific Council shaped a lot of the discussion that we had today. And so we're certainly grateful. Our listeners are grateful for their perspectives as well as we brought this interview out. Thank you, Rob. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Informed for Medical Communication Professionals. Please do take a moment to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. Inform your colleagues. Rate our show highly if you liked what you heard today. We also hope that you'll join us at an upcoming ISMAP University webinar or even considering becoming a member of our association. Just go to ismap.org. That's ismpp.org to learn more. My name is Rob Mathias. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to our producer, Leo Longbreak, and our audio engineer, Eric Coltnow.